Hi, my name is Xain Anderson. That is actually my name. People think I'm joking him. They say it's Swedish. I've actually been to Sweden. There's nobody in Sweden named Xain, so go figure. My wife calls me X, and I always joke around. It's probably not a good thing if your wife calls you X. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about, this is the first episode of the Principal Podcast. We're going to be talking about um, principles that govern everything. But before we get started too far down the line, I want to just talk to you a little bit about what we mean when we say principles. Like, what is a principle? Now, I'll ask this question to audiences all over the country. And I sometimes people think it means like the principle in a transaction. That's not the principle I'm talking about. Sometimes people think um, it's a value. Let's say, well, it's a, it's a guideline or it's the way you see things. Or it's, a, it's this. Let me tell you how I'm going to define principles right now for the sake of this podcast. Principles are something that is just there. There's something that are, they're real and they're there whether you believe them they are or not. So they're not values. They're not something you, you value. There's something that's really, really real. Now, let me give you an example. The principle, well, there's a scientific principle called gravity. Gravity is just there. Gravity is here where I'm sitting. It's where you are. It's on the other side of the world. Gravity is everywhere. And it's, it's there whether you believe it is or not. I mean, gravity is even out. I mean, it works here. It works in different continents around the world. It's out in space. Um, it keeps the moon going around the earth. It keeps the earth going around the sun. Millions and millions of miles away out in space. There are even clusters of galaxies that are spinning around, held together by gravity. It's everywhere. Now, when you come in contact with a principle, there are two choices that you have. You can either align with it or you can ignore it to your peril. Now, now let me give you an example. You could align with gravity. Now, let, let, me, let me ask you a question. How could you align with gravity to say, make you money? How could you do that? And while you're thinking about that question, how could I use gravity to make me money? Let me give you one example. I was in Vail, Colorado, not too long ago. Vail, Colorado is built up around ski resorts. And people come from all over the whole state of Colorado. They come all from all over the country, sometimes all over the world, to come to this beautiful town in Colorado called Vail, where they can ski. Now, if you look at what's actually happening, people get there, they get on the ski lift, and they ride up to the top of the ski lift, and they come down the hill, pulled down by gravity. And so the people in, in, uh, in Vail, Colorado, they've actually aligned with this principle of gravity, and they make... A lot of money doing it. I mean, probably millions and millions of dollars making money using gravity to help build this business. So I'm going to ask you the question. I want you to think about it. What could, how could you use gravity, align with gravity to make you money? How could you align and not ignore, but align with gravity and make you money? Think about that for just a second. Now I'm going to answer the question. Okay. I, I asked, I've asked this to many, many audiences all over the place. And I hear a lot of the same answers. Sometimes I hear some funny answers. Uh, what, here's some of the answers I hear a lot of. I hear, well, you could build an amusement park and have people go up and down on roller coasters, which is a great idea. You could build a hydroelectric dam where you could, you know, build water up against back behind a dam and the water could go through and turn turbines and you could sell your electricity. I hear people say, well, you could do a zip line or you could do bungee cords. You could do skydiving. Um, and as I ask these questions, a lot of times within just two or three minutes, we can come up with lots of things. I even hear funny things like you could do facelifts, you could do plastic surgery, all kinds of things where you're actually making money because of what gravity does and kind of either trying to fight it. Uh, there's lots of different things you could do. 
But we could probably sit here all day and think about, you know, maybe a hundred different ways to make money with gravity. We won't take the time today. Or, um, but I want you to know that gravity is the principle. And the, I can come up, if I know one principle, I can come up with a lot of different techniques to align with that principle. I could build a ski resort, a hydroelectric dam, all of those things. But what happens if I don't align with the principle of gravity? What's, let's just say I'm careless with gravity and I decide and I ignore it and I'm careless with it. What could happen? Well, I'll tell you, you, you could fall off a cliff. You could be injured. You might even die. So here's the point. Gravity is just there. It's just there. And gravity could either make me very rich with my ski resort or my hydroelectric dam, my zip lines, my bungee cords, or gravity could kill me. Gravity itself doesn't change. It's just there. The only thing that changes is did I align with it or did I disrespect it and ignore it to my peril? Now, I've got to tell you, there are principles in life. There are principles in relationships. There are principles that are just as real and just as everywhere as gravity. And that's why it is so important for us to figure out what those principles are. Because the principles govern the consequences of our choices. Now, I've heard some people, let's back up for just a second here. I've heard some people say, well, and they use principles in a different way. They say, well, I have my principles and you have your principles and my principles work for me and your principles work for you. Those are not the kind of principles I'm talking about. Those are more like values. Can you imagine someone saying, you know, gravity might work for you, but it doesn't really work for me. That same person could go to the, the top of a cliff and say, I believe I can fly. And they could jump off and what happens? Gravity takes over. So I want you to remember this. You can do anything you want in life, anything, but you do not control the consequence. What controls the consequence? Principles do. If I jump off a cliff, even if I really, really believe I can fly, what happens once I jump off? The principle of gravity takes over and controls my consequence. Now, there's other principles out there. There's aerodynamic principles. I mean, if I bring a parachute or I have a, a hang glider or something, that might be something that could work together with gravity and help me. But it's so, so important for us to figure out what those principles are. What are they really that govern the choices in my marriage? What are they really that govern the choices in my family with my children? What are they really to govern the choices in my in situations, relationships, in my work relationships, and people I interact with, because they're there. And if you know what they are, you can choose the consequences because you can align with them. And if you don't know what they are, and you can, you may, it's kind of like flirting with the cliff, like gravity. There's really principles that are just as real. So what are they? If there's one thing I want you to do today is to start thinking, what are the principles that are really, really real. Let me give you one more example. I was sitting on an airplane the other day. Well, it was actually quite some time ago. So on the airplane, I'm looking out the window and I see this. So look out the window. I'm thinking there's a principle that keeps this plane in the air. This plane weighs as much as 50 trucks. What's the principle that keeps this plane in the air? 
And I said, you know, I teach people to start looking for principles. I better start doing it myself. So I'm not a hypocrite, I hope. And, and so I went home and I researched it. And I found out that the principle that keeps planes in the air is called Bernoulli's principle. And actually what they do is the, the, the wing of the shape of the wing is curved on top. So it's kind of shaped on the curve, a curve on the top and it's flat on the bottom. So when the air goes over this curve on the top, it has to go faster than it does on the bottom. And when it goes faster on the top, it thins the air out. And what that does is it creates a suction. Do you know when you suck up a straw, like if you're at the restaurant and you have a straw full of soda and you suck up the straw for just a minute, it thins the air out in the straw and something has to come up to fill in that straw and it ends up being the soda. Well, it's almost like there's two straws above these planes. They're just sucking this plane up. Well, here's the interesting thing. How long has this principle been around? This Bernoulli's principle that helps planes fly. Well, so the answer is since the dawn of time. When did we figure it out? I think it was around 500 years ago or so. I can't remember exactly when Bernoulli was around, but some, 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 something like that. And then the Wright brothers, and when we did airplanes is when we actually put it to, to use. So we've only been applying this principle and aligning with this principle for maybe a little over 100 years. What if we would have figured it out 5,000 years ago? We could have been a lot further ahead. So it really pays to think, what are the principles? Now, as we talk about these principles, I'm going to give you a hint. These principles are not the latest fad. They are not, um, they're not the latest book. They're not the latest coaching program. These principles like gravity have been around for a long time. They're ancient. They're timeless. What are they? And that's what we're going to explore on this podcast. And we're going to explore it in depth. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to tell you another, a, a real quick story. When I was young, I used to like to draw trees and I would draw them with every branch, every detail. I wish I could show you a picture right here. I draw them so I could see every twig. Then I draw the veins on the leaves. I draw the, um, uh, and you, you can imagine a tree with dozens of leaves and you can see all the veins, all the leaves. I went to school and I saw how the other children draw trees and guess how they drew them. You remember kind of two lines with the poofy cloud on top. Well, when I saw how the other children drew trees, I stopped drawing trees the way I used to. And I started drawing them the way the other children did. And my mom, when she saw this, I found out later she cried. She really cried. And you can imagine why. Kind of because I was trading a little bit of who I was to try to fit in with the other kids. Well, fast forward a few years, I'm at a little league game. And there's a few different ways to play Little League. You can either hit the ball, actually hit it if you're good. If you're pathetic like I was, you would just, uh, I remember I'd just hold the bat out like this and the ball would hit the bat and fall down. It's called a bunt. As an eight-year-old boy, I had one bunt the entire season. Now, I'm not here to tell you how pathetic I was at playing baseball, uh, but there was something significant that happened after this one particular game. We came home and my mom complained of a very severe headache. In fact, she said it at one point, I believe she said it was worse than childbirth. Now I haven't experienced childbirth, some of you may have, um, but it was, it was bad. My mom was not the kind of person to get migraines. Um, that just wasn't her thing. And it became bad enough that my dad became concerned and decided he was gonna take uh, mom to the hospital. And I remember standing there in the front room of our home in Taylorsville and I gave my mom a hug. I said, I love you, mom. And uh, then she, she and my dad drove away. Um, 
I was a little nervous. This hadn't happened before. And I, my uncle and that happened to be visiting us at the time. I went to my uncle and I said, is my mom going to die? And he said, no, she's not going to die. I said, do you promise she's not going to die? He said, just relax. I promise she's not going to die or something close to that. And I wanted to believe him. I went down to my room, uh, had a room down in the basement of our home and I got a book, a book about squirrels. I started reading the book. I still remember the, the book. I probably, I waited for my parents to get home. I waited for my parents to get home and they didn't get home. The next morning I woke and I was a little anxious seeing my mom and dad and I climbed off my bunk bed and I went out to the door. Next to our room, there was this family room, kind of a long family room outside of the store. And I opened the door to my room, anxious to see my parents. As I looked out, I could see my dad on the other side of the room, but something was different. My mom was not there. Instead, there was a neighbor and another neighbor and a friend and another friend and another neighbor. It seemed like half the neighborhood was in our house. And as I got closer, I could see that my dad had been crying. He had tears on his cheeks. As I got even closer, my dad was trying to hold himself together. And through his tears, he tried to hold the emotion back, but through his tears, he said words I'll never forget. He said, I think our mom is going to leave us. And I put two and two together and I, I went into this panic and I said, dad, dad, we gotta do something. We gotta do something. What can we do? Can we say a prayer? What can we do? We've gotta help mom. My mom had suffered a cerebral hemorrhage, a blood vessel in her brain had burst and she was now brain dead at the hospital being kept alive by a life support system. I remember a couple of days later, we were there at the hospital. My mom had tubes coming out of her nose. She had, um, her chest was kind of rising and falling with the help of a machine. It seems so unnatural, so scary to me as an eight-year-old boy. And I was scared. There came a time they had to unplug my mom from the machine. And when they did, I remember she kind of crinkled up and turned bluish. And I remember wanting to give her a kiss, but I was afraid because she didn't look like my mom. And so I went and kind of faked one. I kissed one by the, just a couple inches from her face. And I walked out. Now my mom died that day. And as an eight-year-old boy, I watched my mom die. I got to tell you, after I found out later, there was a friend of our family, an anesthesiologist in the room. He said, after we left the room, my mom's arms kind of opened up by herself. Her arms kind of opened up um, almost like angel's wings, like she was coming into a beautiful place. I've got to tell you something. I haven't been able to give my mom a hug in over 30 years. But there is something that's almost as good as giving your mom a hug. And it's filling her influence. And I've got a question for you. How do you think I draw trees now? 
I want to tell you, I draw them the way my mom would want me to, the way I see them. And I'm standing here, or sitting here actually, sharing my heart with you. Even on this podcast, figuratively, right now, I'm drawing trees the way I see them. And I want to tell my mom, thanks. You know, that was one of the greatest pains in my life to lose my mom that old. But you know, God has made it so it's a huge strength. He's made it so that that big, huge pain in my life, I hope now can bless your life, can bless others. Because I can share with you some of the things that she did when I was six, when I was seven, when I was eight, before she died, that still affect me now, that are affecting my kids, that will affect my grandkids, that will go on for generations. And I know firsthand that the little tiny things you do as a parent that you may not even realize have a huge, huge effect. You have no idea, but I do little things that my mom did that took five seconds that now affect me, that affect my children. And I'm convinced we'll go on for generations. This podcast in some ways is me drawing trees the way I see them. So what are the principles in human relations that are just as real as gravity? What are they really? What are, what, what are principles that have as much power as gravity? And I want to tell you, have you ever been on the top of a hydroelectric dam and you can hear the water going through and it's powerful? When you align with principles, it's like, it's like you have a freight train behind you because you have something like gravity that's everywhere, that's powerful enough to hold like galaxies in, in, in orbit. It's powerful enough to hold the moon around the earth. It's powerful enough to hold the earth around the sun. If you can align with that, you have this power behind you. Now, if you ignore it, you're trying to fight that power, got bad news for you. You can fall off a cliff. 